Amen. That's where it all is. The love ran red that changed everything for us. I can recall a story when I was a a young boy, um, went with my family to South Park Mall. Y'all remember when the mall was up there in Shreveport and they had those waterways that went down the middle and ever so often there was a, a place where you could go to the pretzel place and get your pretzel and you could step down just a few steps into an area that was a little bit of a seating area that was down low. And I remember looking one time where those rails were that you would hold down and it looked like a movie camera to me. And my family was there and I got down next to one of those things and I began acting like the old timey camera just turning that and just having a good old time when I looked up and realized my parents were not there, my brothers and sisters, they were making their way down the mall when I got stopped and enjoying a time to myself. But do you know when I looked up and I realized that my father was not there, I had a sense of unsecurity for a moment. I had a a lack of peace in my life because there was something missing, and that was my father. And today I want us to look at understanding peace because in a day and time that we're living in today, I believe God wants us to understand what peace is how we can have peace in the midst of world conflict, nation taking over nation, enemies coming in and taking over and running nations out, people all around us that we know dealing with COVID and dying from that. And when the world looks at it and the world's trying to fix it, there is a sense of unrest. There is a lack of peace in many lives today. And I want us to understand what peace is as a believer so that we, in the middle of turmoil, can have peace. And I believe that as believers, we do have this peace, but we sometimes don't fully understand what it is to enjoy it to the fullest. So I want us to understand peace Today, when we leave, if you would take your Bibles with me and open to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. Once you have turned there, if you would please stand in honor with me of the reading of God's holy word this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, Paul writing to the church in Ephesians says, therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. 
by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Father God, I thank you so much for your love. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray right now that you would open our eyes and our ears to hear from Holy Spirit, that Father, that Holy Spirit that was there leading the writing of this text, Lord, would be the Holy Spirit illuminating us to what it's saying. And Father, today, I just pray that you would fill me, that you would anoint me at this time, Lord, to proclaim your message to your people. Father, speak to us this morning. And Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned, Paul's writing to the church there at Ephesians or in Ephesus to the Ephesian people, this church. He's wanting them to understand what the peace is. And the first 11 or 10 verses prior to this, he's telling them what salvation is. Just listen to some of these words. He said, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you formerly walked. But God, being rich in mercy and his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. His grace is kindness toward Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. We come to a saving knowledge through God's grace and God's mercy. But what we need to understand what he's wanting them to do here is to go back and he wants them to remember. If you saw that, we read those words, uh, remember in verse 11 and 12. But what I want you to understand today is that without Christ, there is separation from peace. I could maybe even say without Christ, there is no peace. And I can say that emphatically, and I can say that based upon God's word because we're going to see here in a minute where it says that Christ is peace. So if Christ is not there, if there's never been a salvation experience in someone's life where through faith they come to the saving bloodshed of Jesus Christ, there is no peace in their life. And today you can look all around and you can see people trying everything in the world to find peace. They want to find peace in love. They want to find peace in sex. They want to find peace in money and alcohol and drugs. And none of it works. 
because we were created for an innate desire to be a part of the family and to be a heir with Jesus as a son of God through faith. It was his grace and his mercy that brought us there. If you notice here that I said without Christ, there is a a separation from peace. There's two kinds or three kinds of separation that we're really looking at here. One is a separation of people groups. We see in this text that there are Jews and there are Gentiles. And in this day and time, prior to Christ coming and dying on the cross, there was a separation between Jews and Gentiles. The Jews did not like the Gentiles. They didn't even think that the message, the Old Testament, was given for them. You know, God chose the Jewish people for one reason. He chose them to show other nations that there is a God and that he is the only God. He chose them to be separate at first so that they could learn and they could model that there was a difference. You know, they were separated by a law. They were separated by dietary laws, things you eat, things you don't eat, who you worship, who you don't worship. Their law separated them. Do you know there's also a separation between heaven and heaven and earth. There is a separation between believers and non-believers. The law was put in place to show us that there is a difference. The law was put in place to show us that we can never match up to what God says his standard is. We can keep every law there is and miss one once in our life and we've fallen short of the glory of God. There is a separation between unsaved people and between God. We notice here that he talks about the circumcision. The Gentiles were considered uncircumcised. We know what that is. I'm not going to go in that today. The Jews were considered circumcision people. Do you know that God did command them as a sign of the covenant for the Jews to be circumcised? But that was a work of the flesh. It was a work of by man's hand, by man's flesh. Do you know there are many Jews at that time that were circumcised but were not following the laws? What we do in the flesh will never make us saved. Even for Jews that have chosen to not follow after God, just because they have the circumcision doesn't mean that. So there's a separation there. And there are five things, if you'll look in verse 12, that I want us to look at real quick. Five things that the Gentiles were separated from. First of all, they were separated from Christ. Until Christ came and Christ died on that cross and rose and went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit and then sent Peter and Paul and the rest of them to proclaim the news to the Gentiles, they were separated from Christ They could take part, but you know, for a Gentile in that day and time before Christ came to become in, they could become what's called a proselyte. They could agree to follow the laws of the Jews. They could agree to the circumcision and do all those things, and they could be welcomed in. But there was a separation from Christ. But also, they were separated from a citizenship in the nation of Israel. God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, 
were the Jewish people who he brought out of Egypt, brought into Jerusalem and brought into the promised land. And that's a a set nation. It's a set group of people that were Jews by birth. They were very particular on following the heritage and understanding that. And God called that particular group to be a help to others. And you know, oftentimes they were not a help. They were a hindrance because they kept the separation up. Also, they were separated, it tells us there, from the covenants of promise. God made covenants with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. You know these different covenants and covenants of peace and of promise and all of this. As a Gentile, not being part of Christ, being separated from Christ, not being a part of the chosen Jewish nation, they were separated from these things without Christ. They were separated from a hope. They didn't have the hope that the Jewish people did of a coming Messiah to come and save them. They didn't know about it at that time. Also, they were separated from God, and we see that in Scripture. And they were separated because there was a law put in place to show the difference between God's chosen people and the rest of the world. Between believers and non-believers, we would say today. And you know, when you're separated from these things right here, I can promise you, you are separated from peace. Can you imagine living as an alien, a stranger in some country that you don't know? There wouldn't be no peace. I shared with y'all some stories of when I had the opportunity to travel and I went to Bangkok, Thailand with the Lions Club International for the uh, international convention. I get off the airplane into a country that I know no one there. They speak a different language. It's not like America, I can promise you. They don't care if you understand them or not. America, we cater to everybody and think we've got to change all of our stuff to try to comfort them. They don't care. And then when I get there, my my luggage doesn't even show up. I go to a hotel that I know no one because the rest of my group is all at another hotel. And I began to try to find something to eat. And you go up to the buffet line and you see names of food that you know. It kind of gives you a little peace, a little sense of home until you open the dish and it's not what you think it's going to be just because it's labeled that. There is a sense of unrest, an unpeace, even in that kind of situation. That's what these Gentiles were living in. They were not part of this nation. They were separated. And you know, in life today, if you were able to find people who are not believers and truly get down into the nitty-gritty of who they are, they don't have peace. They're missing something. It just doesn't seem to fit. They feel that they're alienated. They might be partying and having a good time, but they feel as if something is missing, and it is because there's a separation from peace. So we see that there is a a separation from peace, but let me tell you that 
Christ is the source of peace. We see right there in Scripture, it says in verse 14, for he himself is our peace. But I love here how Paul does a good job of transitioning this. He's telling them what all they're separated from and that there's a a separation from peace. And then he wants to tell them there's a source for your peace. And I've got it highlighted here in my Bible, beginning of verse 13. But now, I love it when a but now shows up. Because we're taking something negative and we know God's fixing to do something great. Amen. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ is our peace. And church, let me tell you today, there is no peace without Christ But we're brought near by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. We keep this cross up here. We know Jesus didn't die on this cross. But it reminds us, and when we look at it, it reminds us of the sacrifice that Jesus went through. That his was beaten. His hands and his feet were nailed. There was a crown of thorn put. And when he hung on that cross, his blood shed. And there was something special, something holy And something anointing about that blood. For years, thousands of years, they had been slaying animals. There had to be bloodshed for the sacrifice of sin. The separation of man from God because sin. And they would have to sacrifice. From the very beginning of times, you can turn in Genesis. God created Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. They didn't trust him and they ate that fruit because they were tempted. And what happened? We have to picture this. God took an animal and made clothes for them to wear. Do you know what happened when God took that animal and cut it open to make clothes for them? Bloodshed spilled out. It requires death and bloodshed to cover up sin. Let me rephrase that. It requires death and bloodshed to pay the price the penalty, the enmity to sin. We are separated, but Christ is our source. His blood shed. He became that. And when he did, it tells us that Christ removed the dividing wall. Several dividing walls have been talked about when you study and you look at this, and I believe it's a context of all of them. Number one, the dividing wall between God and sinful man is separated through the bloodshed of Jesus Christ and those who claim him as Lord and Savior, there is an open door to God at all times. The veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom the moment that Christ died on that cross. You know, there's also a a separation wall. When you would go up onto the temple mount where the temple was built, there was like a railing or a wall that separated the Gentile court from the inner area where the Jews could go. There was a separation even there between, we talked about the Jews and the Gentiles, but even in the temple there was a separation. You Gentiles, we could say today, you could sit back there, We're going to put a rail across here, and you can't come any forward. You can't come any 
closer to the Holy of Holies. You can't come past that part, Gentiles. You have to stay back there. But us Jews, we can come this way and we can come closer. The veil was the first one torn. But then Jesus' death, because his bloodshed is available to anyone and to everyone who will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. He separated that rail. If you will notice there in verse 14, it says, For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Why did he use both words, barrier and dividing wall? In this temple, there was this barrier that separated the Jews from the Gentiles. But there was a dividing wall and barrier that kept the Jews within. You see, they're within, they're staying to their self, separated from the rest of the world. God says, I want all men to come to a saving faith. I want all men to have peace. And the bloodshed of Jesus Christ separated that wall and did away with it. The bloodshed of Jesus Christ, the barrier, the law. Now here I want you to hear this. By abolishing, verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is the law of commandments. Now if we go back into the gospels, we see where Jesus said he didn't come to do away with the law. The law is still there for the purpose of showing us that we can never match up. The law is there for that purpose. So what did Jesus abolish in this enmity, which is the law? He nullified the enmity, the separation, the penalty of death for not following the law. The law is still there to show us that we're not going to match up. But the requirement of that law was death for a mistake. The qualification of that law was separation from God. And the moment we as human beings come to a point that we realize right from wrong, we become accountable to that law. And the moment that we sin at that point, we get separated. There becomes a barrier between us because we're required for separation. But Jesus nullified that as a believer the moment we accept his atoning blood to wash us. The law, the enmity, the penalty is nullified. Jesus has paid it. It's no longer required of us. We don't have to die and live eternally separated from God. Amen? Jesus paid that price and he nullified that law for us. The law's purpose has been taken care of. The price has been paid, therefore nullifying the law's penalty. Jesus is our source of peace. Peace is a connection with God the Father. Remember we said Christ is peace. If we are in Christ, then we are peace. There is no source outside of that. But we also see that with Christ, we can stay in peace. The moment we receive Christ, we receive peace. 
Now, I'm not saying the moment that you receive Christ and you receive peace that you'll never have another bump in the road. If I was to say that, you would just all throw me out of here right now because you've all had bumps in the road. You've all had difficulties in life. I think, was it uh, Wednesday night that we said that peace isn't the absence of problems, but what? The presence of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus is the source of our peace, then in him, as believers, we can stay in peace. It tells us that it becomes one body. That's what Christ did. When he come and died on that cross, he removed the separation. He brought the source himself to be our peace. And I love how Paul takes these next few verses. If you look through 19 and and 22, if you remember when we began it, we said the Gentiles were without Christ. They were separated from citizenship. They were separated from the promises of God. They were separated from hope. And they were separated from God. But in Christ Jesus, we all become one. And it begins to tell us in these verses how that is. Because separated from Christ, in Christ, we're in him. We are part of him. We are not separated from him. He is within us. The moment we accept Christ, we become fellow heirs with him. We become citizens, it says, with the saints. We're no longer separated from citizenship, but we have a citizenship in heaven. We get the promises of God, the great promises that he will protect us, that he's coming back one day to take us home and to live with him forever. What promise is that? The promise that he's going to walk through this life with us. You know, I would almost say that his promise to walk through this life with me is just as great as anything. I do look forward that a day is coming to take me to be with him. But to have a hope, to have someone to walk through with me in this, to be a part of those promises, as a believer in Christ, we can stay in peace because we have hope. We have hope that we are a child of God. We have faith. We have that knowledge. And I love this, that it says that we are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Dividing wall broke. Jews, Gentiles, you come to Christ, we all come the same way. You don't have to have circumcision. That's a a thing of the flesh, a hand to it. It doesn't save you. It was a, a sign of the covenant. But as a Gentile, we get to come together with the, Drew, with the Jews, and you know, we all become one. We become one nation. We become one family in God. We all come the same way. God didn't say, Jews, you come this way. Gentiles, you come this way. The moment Christ died, that dividing wall was separated, and he said, it's open to all people. All you must do is choose him, come together. It says that we are being built into a dwelling of God in the spirit. He's taking Jews, he's taking Gentiles. And you know, when God looks out there at the Jews and the Gentiles and he sees the bloodshed of Christ, that's what he sees. He doesn't see if you've been circumcised or not. He don't care. 
You know, where the circumcision happens is not by the flesh of hand, but the circumcision of the heart that God does. And he sees us through the bloodshed of Jesus Christ, and he's building us together. But we're being built on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, bloodshed, Jesus coming, living the perfect life, paying the price. That's what starts this building. The church of Jesus could not start until he died on that cross and he's ascended to heaven waiting to come back. And that's the the cornerstone. We've talked about this. Those of you who've done any building, you have to have a cornerstone. Take these skyscrapers you see in New York. If there's not a, a cornerstone that sets the direction and you just begin to put things together, you're going to have a building that might be doing this, or it might be doing this, or it might be, it's not going to be sturdy. But when you take a cornerstone, and you set that as a starting point, and everything else builds on that, you will have a building that will withstand Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Everything is built on him and around him. Look there at verse 21. It says, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. The church, that's what it's talking about. The church is being built on that and it's being built of Let me just say this. It's being built of every race. It's being built of every nation. It's being built of every language group. It's being built of Jews and Gentiles, blacks and whites and whatever other colors you want to come up with. It's being built of people on this side of the tracks and that side of the tracks. And it's all becoming one church. Peace comes where there's no division. That's peace. And that's what Christ is doing. That's why he is the source of peace because everybody comes through him. There's no other way. You know, you can't come in and we sit down here when we're going to get to heaven and kick back in our lazy chairs and say, hey, yeah, you know what I did? I did this, that, and the other, and that's how I got here. And the other guy's going to say, well, I can doubt do you one. Let me show you this card I played. No. In the church, in heaven, we're all one. We all come the same. You know what I love about that cross? If you look at the bottom of that cross, the ground is level. I don't care what you've done. It's level at the foot of cross beneath the blood of Jesus Christ. And there is no separation. We all become one. We become whole. The peace is brought to us. You remember I told you that I was there in the mall playing with that little railing that I thought was a camera when I realized my parents wasn't there. I began to look and began to wonder and this sense of urgency and peace had left my body. But as I I stood there and I, I waited and I looked and I wondered and I tried all sorts of things and couldn't find them, wasn't nothing I could do to find them. But you know, it wasn't long that I looked up and there I saw coming my dad. He was coming for me. He was looking for me. 
And when he got there and he embraced me in his arms, let me tell you what, the peace filled me. My family's one. My mom, my dad, my two brothers, myself, all of us are, are one family. We were reunited and brought back together. That's what it is with Christ. Let me phrase it to you this way that one person put it. Christ is not divided into competing groups. So those who are identified with Christ are also at peace with one another. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians. See if we've got that up there for you. 1 Corinthians. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? They had gone in and everyone there was bragging about who it was that brought them. You know, I, I follow this guy, I follow that guy. He's saying it's all about Jesus. With Jesus Christ, there is no division. There's no division in the church. If Christ is in us, there should be no division between us. If Christ is peace and Christ is in us, we have peace and we should be at peace with everyone that is around us. What does this look like for us? It grieves me to see churches ripped apart from the inside because in Christ there is no separation. There is no division. We're one body. I mean, come on, if we can't get along here, what are we going to do when we get to heaven? Or maybe are there many in the church that claim to have Christ, but don't? Or maybe even more upsetting, how many claim to have Christ and do, but don't walk in Christ? In Christ! He is our source. Without Christ, we have separation from peace. Christ came and he is the source of our peace. And when in Christ, we can stay in peace. So when we look at everything we're dealing with today, how in the world can we have peace? When you understand what peace is, and peace is Jesus Christ. So if you're a born-again believer, there is peace living in you, and you have all the promises and the hopes of the covenants that one day we're going to go be with him. We have peace because that inner longing within us has been filled, but we must stay in Christ. We must follow him, and we can, church, this excites me, we can live in peace in the midst of turmoil. Because peace is not the absence of turmoil, but it is the presence of Jesus Christ. In church, if you're a born-again believer, you are in the presence of Jesus Christ because you are a holy temple where he resides. May you bow your heads.